0: Amen. You can take your seats while you're doing that. Get your Bibles out and open them up to First Thessalonians chapter one. First Thessalonians chapter one as we continue in our fall series, eyes on You, capital on the you, because it's not about who you are. It's about uh, who God is. And we're going to learn about a church today that was growing up in Christ and how did they do that? How were they, quote unquote, successful? Well, they had their eyes on the right things. And in the midst of all that we're going through, it's so easy to get our eyes onto the wrong things. And I know in the midst of this, I'm just thinking about this is the a second year where we're launching a ministry season in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, that can be pretty frustrating. I have a, a pastor's retreat. All of our pastors from across Canada are coming together this week, Lord willing, on Tuesday, Wednesday, on Thursday. And the theme of our retreat comes right out of 2 Corinthians four one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart right? What we have in Jesus Christ is because of the mercy of God. And for these leaders, as we come together, we do not lose heart. And uh, maybe you're like some of them are. Maybe you're feeling tired spiritually. Maybe you're feeling discouraged in what's going on even in your own life. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe um, you're disappointed. And uh, maybe you just wish there was a little bit more clarity for so many different things as we move forward. And in the middle of that, we need to remember we do not lose heart because our eyes, Lord, are on you. You are the one who's going to sustain. You are the one who's going to take care of us. You are where our hope is. Um, but I know when you get frustrated, I I know when you get tired, you can feel a little bit like, I think I've done enough. I think it's time for somebody else to step up. I I think it's time for me to have a break. Like if you only knew how many times I felt that this week, right? We all have those feelings and, and yet they're not necessarily from the Lord. As a matter of fact, that could be Satan trying to discourage us and get our eyes off of the one who is faithful if we would just keep our eyes on him. In the midst of all of that, our world is a mess. Um, you just look around you and we see that our world is a mess. And uh, the struggles of that. And, and as Christians, we, we face the pressures of standing for Christ. And we're starting to see how those things can cost us. And, and we wonder sometimes. Um, sin is rampant in the world. And uh, the struggle is real. And God is faithful. So today we want to see that in a church, it's the church of the Thessalonians, and uh, that would be in present-day Greece, back when the Bible was written. There were probably about 100,000 people who lived in that city, and uh, they became followers of Christ. Uh, The story of the church is found in Acts chapter 17. You can read that uh, when you get home. I'm going to read some of it for you now, and then the text of what we're going to learn is from 1 Thessalonians 1. So in Acts 17, it says, Now when they had passed through um, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, uh, um, where they were, excuse me, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, great words there, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded "...and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd." And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people um, and the city authorities were disturbed, and when they heard these things, And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. I want to learn today about a flourishing walk in an upside down world. The the world is totally upside down because sin is rampant. Um, Satan is on the loose. And and we are the ones, in, in the text it's interesting, it says they that turn their world upside down, right? Well, the reality is what they were seeking to do was turn the world right side up. But the world is so upside down. That's the world that we live in today, just like they lived in. That's what we face today. So we want to take a look today at a walk that's founded in Christ. When our walk is founded in Christ, it'll make an amazing difference, even in the discouraging times, even in difficult times, even when you want to take a break from where you serve or whatever. If we can keep our eyes fixed on Christ, if we would be faithful to him, God will work and do an amazing work through his people. The text is 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read it for you. Let's stand together as we honor God as we read his word. 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, and your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Lord, uh, this is your word. This is a church, a, a group of people so much like us who as they put their trust in Christ, were transformed and and now have new life in Christ, and we're seeking to live their lives out and trying to figure out how all that works in their upside-down world, just as we're trying to figure that all out in our upside-down world. Lord, could we be instructed by them today? Could we just listen to what your word says? Give us ears to hear it, minds, God, to comprehend it, but then, Lord, faith to respond, to walk uprightly, for the glory of our Savior, to flourish in our walk, to flourish in our faith. For the sake of Jesus Christ, we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can take your seats. Well, in this text, um, we see Paul's expression about this church in verses one and two. It's just, before we dive into the actual outline, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. And then he says this, we give thanks to God always for you, Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Paul says that in other places where he talks about pray without ceasing and uh, um, uh, in in Philippians one, I thank God upon all my remembrance of you. Uh, Paul was a prayer warrior. He saw what was going on in people's lives—the good, the bad, and the ugly. What did it cause him to do? Caused him to pray. Caused him to pray for them. And in this story, in this scripture, as he writes to the Thessalonians, he's seen some things in them. He's going to instruct them in some things in the book later on. But in this of the book. He's seen some things in them, and it drives him to pray for them. It tries him to give thanks for them. It drives him to rejoice in what God has been doing in their lives. And so we basically want to take a look at this message in two points. Here's the first one. They are practicing their walk. We want to take a look at the macro taking a look at the big picture. He lays out three things as he talks about what their walk looked like. As he watched it, he saw three things. He saw their work of faith, which was a work that comes from faith. He saw their labor of love, the labor that comes from love. And then he saw their steadfastness of hope, a steadfastness that comes from the hope that we have. It's found in verse 3. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at the big picture, what he does, he takes a look at these three things, and then he drills down. And we're going to come to that in just a few minutes. But let's take a look at the three things that he talked about first. The first thing he talked about is a work that comes from faith. Your work of faith. Scriptures say that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. A faith, first of all, that saves us, uh, transferring our trust to the Lord Jesus Christ, because we can't solve the sin problem we have in our lives, and so we put our trust in Jesus Christ. See, it's impossible to please God without faith. What God requires to be satisfied is only possible by faith faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. These people had a work that came out of their faith, but not only a faith that saved them, a work that kept them. It's a work that helped them. Um, Faith without works is dead, James says. Um, Our faith doesn't, um, our faith saves us. We don't work For that, faith comes from God, and we trust Christ, and then by grace, we are saved. And so, so often in our lives, we live in a world where you have to work, you have to accomplish to get, Where is in our salvation. It all came from the Lord Jesus Christ. He accomplished it all. We just receive that gift. Um, The word work here in the Greek has an idea of a pleasant and stimulating work. Many of you have jobs or you're students or you have hobbies you like to do. Whatever that is, you you have parts of it that you really love. And it's really what puts gas in your tank. It's, it's, what, it's what puts the fire on. It's what gets you going. And we all have parts of that in our roles. And then we have other parts in our roles that aren't so much fun. They're more difficult. Well, we do the parts that are easy, and we go for them, and that work is pleasant, and we love it. You know what that's like in your life. You know the parts of your life that are like that. Well, that's how he describes this part of their walk with God. This, this work of faith was something that they they enjoyed doing. They worked at it. It wasn't called pleasure. It was called work, but it was stimulating for them. A work that comes from faith brings with it the idea that we can't do it on our own, but we have to trust God to do it. A work that comes from faith um, is not a work that gets you faith. It's because of your faith. Um, A work that comes from faith is what's founded in what God has already done. It's believing what God has done. It's believing what God will do. A work that comes from faith. And when when Paul saw this in this church, these people who are serving the Lord and working out of their faith, he was was excited, he was thankful for that. He He was blessed by it. What does that look like in my life? What does that look like in your life. Uh, it's a ministry launch day, which means it's September and things are firing back up. And and we need people to serve in the church, need people to take on their part to do their responsibility. Um, to not give up, but to realize the Lord is working in His church and He is continuing to strengthen us and He is continuing to guide us. Sue was just looking on the app before the service started. In most of us, I don't have the ability to do this, but she was looking on the app before the service started. It says registration for this service is full, and registration for the eleven o'clock service is full. You realize that creates a problem for us. We got people who want to come to church who right now can't come to church. Um, now, praise God for those kind of problems. And, and if the government would open the doors a little bit wider, we could put in more pews and all that. I get all that, but, but right now, that's a, that's a good thing. But, but God is growing. Did you know there are 35, I think me here told me, 35 people who have signed up for step one. Where did 35 new people come from in our church in the middle of a pandemic? In the middle of what God is doing. And so the church needs faithful people who will step up and do the job. It says they did work that comes from faith. Um, your work that comes from faith is not just in the church. It's not just a small group leader or a youth group leader or serving in Hope Kids or it's not a, being a greeter or usher. It is all of those things and we need people to stand up and do that. But, but it's, it's your work of faith that comes at work at work and being faithful there and trusting the Lord there and and being a testimony to God and what you're doing in your workplace. It says he looked at them and he saw their work that came out of that was inspired out of their faith. Grace, mercy, and peace are the words Paul usually uses at the beginning of a book. He did a little bit in this. But in this text, he uses this faith, hope, and love. There's another place where you see that, right? First Corinthians 13. But the greatest of these is love, he says. And so this is a, a triad of, of, of how we live our lives. This is the macro of what a discipled follower of Jesus Christ looks like. It's a person whose life work comes from their faith. Second thing he says to them is a labor that comes from love. It's found in verse 3 as well. Remember before God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love, and then he talks about and your steadfastness of hope. This is a labor that comes from love. If in the first part of the verse, he used that word for work, and it was a sense of the things that you like to do in your job, and you're fulfilled to do in your job. In this word, when he uses the word labor, it's not that same word. It's a different word. This word is a word where it's toil, it's strenuous, it's sweat producing, it's wearisome. Your labor of love. And he brings the balance to them. I probably could have put it in either order and wouldn't have mattered. The the Holy Spirit inspired him to put it in the order he put it in. And so we'll leave it in the order that it's in because God said that's the way he wanted it. But the reality is, not all of our work, not all of what we do is fun. Not all of what we do is immediately fulfilling. Uh, Sometimes it goes on and on and you don't see what God is doing. And yet, in this picture of, of this work, we understand it won't be easy. A labor that comes from love is hard work with people who are not always lovable. Not always. You all sit there looking so pious, smiles on you. I can't even see your faces, but you all sit there looking so good today and you're not always like that, right? Uh, Sue and I have been married for 42 years and I'm an angel part of the time, but some of the time I'm not so much an angel and she has to live with both sides of that coin. Um, and so this this, this, this labor that comes out of love is is a labor that's hard work. It's a labor that we continue in. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on circumstances. We often don't get to see the results. I got a uh, Facebook message from a lady now who was in my youth group about 30 years ago in Ajax, Ontario. And, uh, it was just kind of cool. I knew that she was following the Lord, and I knew where she was and all the rest. But, but in that uh, Facebook message that I got from her, she said, I still think about you as my youth pastor. I can't even think about anything about youth hardly anymore in my life. But, and, and it was one of those, God worked in her life. When we stepped out of that church and went on to the next thing, she went on with her walk, and, and now she's serving in a ministry, and God is, I didn't, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that. Um, we don't see. We don't always get to see what God is doing, and sometimes we do, and we get the blessing of those kind of stories. But we need to be faithful because God is doing those things, whether we get to see them or not. The word for love here is that word of agape love. It's pure. It's willful. It's sacrificial love. It's love that gives, not expecting in return. That's why it's so difficult, because we're always looking for the return on our investment, and God's saying, you just be faithful. You just be faithful, and you let me work in this. 1 John 4.10 says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. To be the righteous payment for our sin. This love is a selfless, self-giving love. Not looking for return. It's modeled for us so beautifully in Jesus Christ. It's displayed often for us in other people. It's supernatural. It's supernatural you can't consistently do it on your own. Can people do act that way for a time? Yeah, but, but we're always looking for a return. We're always looking for what we get. And a self-sacrificing, willful, pure love can only come through the working of the Holy Spirit in us. And for the church, for the church, it's what God calls us to do. And he uses the hard word for work here. This is going to be tough, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to And maybe you've been in that place in your life where it's like, yeah, I've done my part. I've had enough. It's time to go sit on the bench for a while and cruise. It's time to set back and let other people step up. There's just no picture of that in scripture. You know, we don't get to do that. This idea of retirement in in North America is an interesting idea. It's an interesting concept. And at 63 years old now, I'm thinking about that word retirement. But for me, that word retirement doesn't mean you sit and put your feet up and play with your model trains all day. It's just like it's going to be a different thing in how I serve God in a different way. Um, How is God working through you these days? Where are you being effectively used for the work of God? Where are you laboring in love? Their work of faith, their labor of love. And then here's the third thing. Um, this whole idea of, of a faithful or a, or a, um, a flourishing walk um, is, has endurance that comes from hope. It has endurance that comes from hope. That's found in the verse as well. Um, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the you do not give up Peace, We endure. We continue to be faithful. The word endurance in the dictionary, active and constant, even when it gets hard, we endure. Why? Because of our hope. Without hope, we're not focused on the end game. Look, look what the verse even says in verse 3. Your, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got this picture of where our hope is, and it's in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we endure. Who in, He who endured for us, why wouldn't we want to and desire to endure for him and for his glory? Without hope, we're not focused on the end game. We're not focused on, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're not focused on the well done, good and faithful servant, but these people had hope and they were enduring in their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. When you're tempted to say it's too hard, or you're tempted to say it's too much, gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ fix your eyes on the end goal. Remember why we are doing all of this because of what Christ has done for us. And because of that, he's working through us so that other people might have the hope of glory that we have. If you don't, you will only be satisfied with the temporal. You will only be satisfied with what you get right now. And when that's where your eyes are fixed in the, Lord, in the work of God, you will pack it in and you will quit. Because you don't get a paycheck, you don't get a bonus, you don't get a... Because our eyes are fixed on something far greater, far further down the road, the hope that we have of enduring. Um, we often don't see what God is doing. Don't be robbed by giving up. Um, well, that's the macro. As, as Paul looked at this church, he saw these three things in them. He saw their, he saw their um, faith, he saw their love, and he saw their hope. But if you take a look in the text in the next verse, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So I believe now he's going to explain what those things looked like in the discipleship piece in their life. As disciples of Jesus Christ, he now looks at the bigger picture of what had happened to them. And so what does discipleship look like for them? What does discipleship look like for us? You say, maybe I'm a new believer, I don't know very much. We'll learn some things from this text. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Look and see where you fit into this text. Um, So here's what he says. Here's the first thing. Uh, Persevering in their walk. Here's the micro. He kind of looks now down into it. Um, They're transformed people. Verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. They were saved people. They were changed people. In verses 4 and 5, it says it's a work that begins, that God begins that work. It, that God uses his word in that work, and God works through his Holy Spirit in that work, and coming out of that comes an assurance, a conviction of what God has done. Let me read it for you again so you don't miss it. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, they brought the word, they brought the truth of who Jesus Christ was, But it also, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, and with full conviction, or much assurance. They trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were saved. Now remember, we read from Acts chapter 17, it wasn't going to be easy for them. It was a difficult place that they were, were um, living. It was going to be a faith that was going to be put to the test. And yet as followers of Jesus Christ, they were, they were saved. Uh, they became saved and they followed Christ and they lived out their lives for the glory of the Savior. They turned from what they believed and they followed Christ. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you come to the the place where you've heard from the word of God, the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done? Have you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in your life? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Like if you go out of here with anything else today, go out of here with that truth, knowing you've, you've done that in your life. You've responded to the gospel, God's call on your life, and you trusted Jesus Christ. See, you didn't earn that. You didn't deserve it. God did that work for you. I I think about that in my own life. I'm, I'm just basically a messed up guy who's being sanctified growing up in Christ and God not giving up on me. Why? Because I've been transformed through the work of the gospel. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Transfer your trust from where your hope is and what you think is going to get you to God, and understand sin separates us. There's nothing we can do to fix that. It was accomplished in Jesus Christ, and believe on the Lord Jesus today and be saved. Be saved. If my hope was based on what I could accomplish, I'd be a hopeless mess as it comes to standing before God. But He has been faithful. He has been faithful. Um, the result of the working of the Word, the Word, the Spirit, they had full conviction, they were transformed. Here's the next thing the text says. You became imitators of others and Christ. Look at the bottom, the last part of verse 5 and verse 6. And you know what kind of men we are proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word, Lord, in much the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. A person who trusts Jesus Christ, a part of discipleship, of the discipleship pathway, is following, imitating, mimicking is the word really that's being used here, um, other people. That's why it's so important for us in our walk to seek to be faithful because there are people watching us. Hey, mom and dad, your kids are watching you. Hey, small group leaders, you're, you're the, the, the uh, students in your, your uh, high school um, group, they're, they're watching you. They're, they're looking for an imitator. They're looking for someone uh, to follow after. Scripture says a lot about this whole idea of imitation. The world says some things about it too. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. That's a proverb that means tr- means trying to do what someone else does, own what someone else owns or think like someone else thinks. It's a compliment to that person. It says you became imitators of us, so the Thessalonians, when they trusted Christ, whether they wanted, they wanted to be like Paul, they wanted to be like Sylvanus, they wanted to be like Timothy, because they were a little bit further down the road, and and that's what happens when you trust Christ. You don't have all the answers. You're trying to figure some things out. And you become an imitator. You become an imitator. You watch the people around you. Um. It's part of the process of discipleship. It's all over Scripture, 1 Corinthians four sixteen, Paul says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. And that's not an arrogant statement. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, remember Hebrews 12.1 follows Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, where you have all these faithful people, not perfect people, um, since we've been clouded, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, And then back here in verse 6, and you became imitators of us. And of the Lord. And of the Lord. You notice it says that you receive the word in verse 6. Look what it says. You receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You receive the word in much affliction. I love the picture that's here, um, although I don't want to live it, but I love the picture. It, it, this idea of, a, of affliction is the picture of a grape that, that's being squished to make wine and the pressure on it so that eventually the skin bursts and all the juice comes out. Right? That, that's the picture that's here. You are under persecution. You are under pressure so like you would pop, so like you would burst. It's a, it's a, a severe kind of pressure that they were under. But notice what the next words say, and in the joy of the Holy Spirit. They, they counted it a privilege to be able to suffer for Christ, and they found joy in the Holy Spirit because God was being faithful to them and in them. So he says to them, you trusted Jesus Christ. Our gospel came to you. You received the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Now, now imitate. You became imitators of us. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Uh, have people around you that you can lean into and, and not to find your hope in, but to learn from and to grow in, a uh, teacher's, um, faithful people imitating others. And Christ is a part of the discipleship process for every follower of Jesus Christ. You get saved. You follow after. Remember, always cautious. You only follow after someone so long as they are following Christ, right? Paul said that so well when he said, be followers of me even as I am of Christ. If they're going sideways, you, you stick with what the word says. You do what God's word says. But we need faithful people around us. That's why it's so important to have good leaders in youth ministry and good teachers and hope kids and, and small group leaders who are growing up in Christ so that we can spur one another on to love And good deeds. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. You became an imitator. Here's the next thing it says. And then you became an example. You became an example. Example to those whose lives uh, they would touch. And verse 7 so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And so the neighboring region around them, their testimony was known, their lives were being lived out people started to see in them something that was different. You became an example. We see that all over Scripture too. First Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. John 13.15, For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify God in the day of visitation. How about this famous verse, Matthew 5.14-16, you are the light of the world. Philippians 3:17 brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us as a follower of Jesus Christ you put your faith in Christ you turn from your sin you repent you move in a new way you look for others you become you, you look for people that you can imitate and the Lord and then as that goes on you become an example you become an example people see Christ in you people should want what you have in your life? Who's following after you? Who wants the Christ that you have in their life? They became an example. And the cities around started to hear about what was going on with the Thessalonians. They're like, wow, that's amazing what God is doing. Their lives have been transformed. You became an example. 1 John 2, 4-6 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. God help us to be examples in a world that is upside down. That they would see in us something that is different. Now, I would love that to be, they would see something that is different, and they would go, I want that, I want that, I want that. That's, That's not usually where it starts. It usually starts with, we hate that, right? People hate God. They don't desire what God has, and I'm not saying if you do this, it's going to be an easy walk. It's going to be a difficult walk. They were facing the pressure so that they were like, they would burst, but they were faithful. They were faithful imitators, and they were seeking to be faithful examples. And as a result of their their lives were being used as a testimony. Last thing I would say about this is um, this whole idea of a flourishing walk and the zeroing in onto the micro. We see a picture of making disciples. Addition and multiplication. Look, look down at uh, verses 8 to the end of the text. The result of their faith, the result of their imitation, the result of their being an example is other people's lives are now being changed. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Preparing people to do the work of ministry. Ephesians 4 says. Um, You turn to God in salvation through repentance and faith to serve through sanctification. They grew up in Christ and now they wait for the glory and the hope that is coming in Jesus Christ. A flourishing walk in an upside down world. It was hard for them. It was difficult for them. I'm sure there are lots of days, just as it is for us, where it's just like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. It's, it's, it's too much for me. It is too much for you. It's, it's too much for me. But it's not too much with God's grace for us to continue on and be faithful for the glory of God. Would, would people look at us and see the things that Paul saw in the church at Thessalonica? Would they see our work of faith? Would they see our labor of love? And would they see our hope, our endurance in the hope of what we have in Jesus Christ? Well, so what? So what? It's a new ministry year, it's a new opportunity. We trust as we continue on through this pandemic, things will eventually continue to open up. Where are you serving? Where are you demonstrating that work of faith? Where are you demonstrating that labor of love? Where are you demonstrating that endurance of hope? And if you aren't, why not? You see, the Thessalonians did it in a difficult time and God used them to turn their world upside down. And God will do that in your life. And God will do that in my life if we would be but faithful servants for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word thank you for this letter to the Thessalonians. I thank you for uh, the struggle that they had, Lord. We, we have had it so easy. We still have it so easy. We, we don't want to struggle. We don't, but Father, we're tired people. Sometimes we're frustrated people. We might even be discouraged. Lord, would this message help us to see through eyes of faith what you can do in the midst of difficult times where you would use us in an upside down world to see someone's life turn right side up, to see a family restored, to see a community changed. God, only you can do that. and So we ask God that you would do it. You would use us for your fame, for your glory. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.